Hey everyone, welcome back to One Shot at a Time, a tabletop role-playing game podcast. My name is Daniel, your forever game master. He's finally here! <laughs> you know him well, he's on the pod with some jokes to tell. Hi, I'm Daniel Lee, I'm the leader of the bunch. Oh, Daniel Lee's the leader of the bunch, he is correct. I am just the game master who creates the world for the bunch. I feel like you are like the the ditty to my donkey. Oh, okay. Sounds so, kind of sexual. Okay, so I'm dating your niece and is I'm not actually works? related to you. Yeah. That is I okay. think that's how I think that's, that's a fine. relationship. They're not actually family. No, yeah, way. they're just friends. Which yeah, really They're 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 crewmates. Yeah, I, are they friends? They're like it's more of like you're hanging out with your girlfriend's uncle for some reason. That's not how they Wait, what? That is how... No, yeah, if you look up the Donkey Kong lore, okay. Diddy's not related to Donkey Kong in any way. No, yeah, 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 but they're but they're just, they just know each other, right? Yeah, through who... They only know each other through Dixie? I think so. Why'd you bring me on to this Donkey Kong podcast? Oh, yeah, yeah, because we need to build the Donkey Kong Country world <laughs> in Fabula Ultima. Country. <laughs> yes. No, no, so uh, we are a tabletop role-playing game podcast where we take random prompts and turn them into one-shot adventures, but... For this special new season, which I freaking lost count where we are, we're working on Fabula Ultima. We mm-hmm. did two episodes about Tales and even a breakdown of the rule book. Listen to that if you haven't already. Yeah, those were pretty good. And now, having been so inspired by Tales of Arise that we've decided to build our own world using the Fabula Ultima rule set, which we're going to bring to you today. Great. All right. Um, so Daniel has gone through the rules. Um, so he's going to sort Which of one, though? guide my hips through this. Uh-huh. Yeah, the rule set from the main book of Fabula Ultima gives you a quick guide on how to build a world with your group. I think when you come into like Dungeons and Dragons, a lot of people imagine that the game master or dungeon master spends all of their time when they're not working or running sessions building a world for the players to run in. Fabula Ultima specifically says that you should build the world with your players and give them places, lands, kingdoms, countries, cultures, and even villains and threats that exist within the world so they're inspired to play in it. I I think I brought this up in the episode where we ran through the rules for this game, but this sort of design process really feels like it was really refined by someone who does a lot of DMing themselves, by yes. which I mean like, hey, instead of planning everything ahead of time and then like feeling like you need to cover all your bases in mm-hmm. your in the entire world so your your players don't feel railroaded yes instead why don't you just have your players incorporate themselves into the world and help you build it and then you can kind of just improv stuff and fill in stuff along the way instead of feeling like everything needs to be set in place exactly it's definitely coming from a person who plays the game with a group and likes to play with with groups often as opposed to like or i guess the better way to put it he likes to create with a group as opposed to alone because yeah. i think a lot of dungeon masters come in with the preconception that everything they do is on their own they need stat blocks tables monster blocks and that's all they have to do in their tiny little corner in the room upstairs that they're renting from their parents oh uh, yeah oh that's fucked up that they make them pay rent <laughs> it means they've really given up on them yep trying to get them to get out but you know mm. they can't because they're spending all their time working on this game and now you can help them by giving them some free time and let them go and work at their local blockbuster those don't no, exist yeah. anymore so okay, uh, i guess they're really fucked yeah they are fucked. there's no they? alternative <laughs> they're trapped they're trapped in their parents of bring back the blockbusters uh, these poor dungeon masters i think there's actually one blockbuster still in existence in really? oregon yeah okay and there's the blockbuster board game so that's a whole thing i guess 
what do you do in the blockbuster board game you know we might be able to explore that next time but okay. for now we'll keep working next on this. season i guess yeah but uh, like you said fabio ultima definitely takes a lot of strong dungeon master tips and compiles them into their books especially their one-shot quick start module that they have but even reading through the actual um i guess rule set yeah the the writing is done in such a way that it tells you, like, hey, you don't have to do these alone. Make sure to do, like, safety check-ins. Make sure that the veils and what people are comfortable with are explained. This is how you do a proper zero session and talk to people. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a nice breakdown of these are the questions you might want to ask your players to help them get more involved in the world. Because I think a lot of people watching, like, Dimension 20, Critical Role, even, like, Ether C with the McElroys, they're like, wow their world is so grand and the players seem like they're so synced in and ready to go. Yeah. How do you do that? Well, Fabula Ultima gives you a great breakdown, which we're going to go over today. All right, let's do it. So to start off, Fabula Ultima actually gives you some examples of what is a JRPG world and a clear set of guidance on how the rules are built up. The main thing, number one, is that your players have to be heroes. They cannot be oh, villains. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, they cannot be assholes in what the rule set that they have made. If you want to homebrew that for your enjoyment, that's great. But if you're following the rule set that they have and what they give you, it's going to be easier for you and everyone at your table if everyone wants to play a hero. The next rule that I wanted to remind you all of, or I guess more suggestion, is that this is a collaborative storytelling game where you and the players are focused on building a world and a journey for your characters. And... Even if your character has something that maybe they have a deep, dark secret that they don't want to tell anyone, like they're secretly a vampire. Hmm. Well, that's cool for your character to know and the other characters to not know. But for the players at the table, everyone should know that he's a vampire so that they can create that like aha moment when it's finally revealed that feels familiar without people trying to pry in a weird way Hmm. or maybe... It can lead to a lot of fumbling when people come for those big reveals at a table when it's not done in a professional setting i guess well i i don't know like hearing about hearing that said out loud to me i feel like if it's like a background thing i mean like there's obviously nuance to it yes like i don't if it's like a background thing that gets revealed later as part of like a character growth thing then Mm -hmm. i don't think the players necessarily need to be clued in depending on like what the big reveal is if it's like something that's deeply integrated into other people's storylines or into the world then yeah, probably it's better to kind of like preface people or be like, mm-hmm. "Hey, is this okay?" Yeah, but um, I, I, yeah, like, no, I think a reveal like that can be kind of cool if players don't really know about it. It's like kind of JRPG like. I think the main point is like from a writing standpoint when you guys are working together to like tell stories, mm-hmm. like someone's secretly going off at night to suck blood, and then everyone oh, else yeah. doesn't know. Like, well, right, right, right. Especially because it's kind of something like that would be very counter to the like cohesiveness of the party. Exactly, which doesn't really make sense. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it, it sounds like a rule that's kind of just like, don't set yourself up for a messy situation. Basically. Exactly. And that's, that's all it really is getting into. Yeah. But uh, if it's like a background thing that's just like, oh, I was secretly the princess of a fallen kingdom, and then that's not revealed until, you know, like a few yeah. sessions later for the players. I think that's fine. As long as she's not, yeah, obviously like running off at night and murdering people. Yeah, exactly. So those are kind of the things that they recommend. Of course, there's nuances to each of these rules, and you'll have to see what fits for your table, but... Most of the time, these are just like helpful tips for what you're working towards when you're telling stories. Mm -hmm. Getting into the more world building aspect, having actually read the rule set, it's actually very different from Quiet Year. The Quiet Year is another board game that the McElroys played Mm. to build Ethersea. 
that game actually gives you like a bunch of prompts on like how do these people react to x y and z happening and then eventually the world ends and that's supposed to be what starts your world or something along those lines go check out the quiet year i'll link it again in the description um this game gives you some jrpg options to kind of start off with they give you the classic final fantasy like techno magi where everyone is kind of being like an environmental hazard let's run through this kind of step by step you can kind of like follow along with the design process so yeah what you're talking about is uh where for the first step you decide on like the theme of the world or like the aesthetic yes exactly. so it's basically like choose if it's like a magic technological sort of final fantasy kind of thing or if it's like yeah yeah yeah. do you have them listed yeah so the ones they have are high fantasy which is if you play tales game like tales of fantasia Skies of Arcadia, Lord of the Rings, Hobbit yeah. kind of style, where the world, it's still like medieval kind of feeling, but magic is a bit more rare, but more fantastical. But there isn't like techno golems running around and destroying the world, or at least maybe one kingdom might not have that. Yeah, it's like purely historical fantasy, basically. Yeah. And it's usually stories told that they give an example of is like uh, man versus a great evil. Like it's a very classic mm-hmm. kind of thing. Okay. A natural fantasy is more like Tales of Grace or Zillia, where the world's magic comes from like the spirit and nature of the world. And then one of the bigger conflicts from that is that the world itself is now fighting you. Mm. So in Tales of Graces, one of the big problems is like there's an evil, I don't want to say evil, but it's the world seeing humanity as like a plague on the world and it's going to destroy them. Yeah. Same with Zillia, which comes in the form of the summon spirits uh, until one of the guys with big swords kills the summon spirits and takes over its powers. But anyways, that's, that's a spoiler. Is that spoiler? That's spoiler. Great, great. Whatever. Zillia happens. Slip that in there. Yeah. And then techno fantasy, like we explained, is Final Fantasy VII. Kind of like Tales of Arise, where like the world has like a lot of magi tech, and then the magi tech is kind of like taking over the world, and that's leading to the destruction of the world, and possibly also playing into the nature aspects. Yeah. The great threats can always be added into different types of fantasies, but just as a sample for you to start with. Do we want to choose one now? Uh, we can. Yeah. So what kind of fantasy do you think you would want to play with? My favorite one is the natural fantasy world, mm-hmm. just because I, I really like in games when there's like areas that just have like crazy vistas mm-hmm. or you kind of encounter like um, like I... extreme overgrowth or something like there's oh, a yeah. cool theme of like man versus nature and like the, the sort of um, like ephemeralism okay. of life. But at the same time, I kind of like the sort of leeway that like a techno fantasy setting gives mm-hmm. you because you can kind of have anything. So, yeah, up to you. From my perspective, I'd, I'd like to try working with a natural fantasy because my previous campaign that I ran for Dungeons and Dragons was very techno fantasy. Okay. Where the overworld, there's like a segment of the world that's like high fantasy, but then they moved into a place where there's trains and automatrons and yeah. guns and stuff. And oh, you're like, okay. Oh, okay, cool. And yeah. that's fun, but I've done that once. I'd like to play with something a little bit different with the world of nature kind of being fully involved. Okay. And okay. the spirit of magic kind of being tied together. Yeah, okay. okay. So we got natural fantasy. That's number one. Yep. All right, going into it. As far as the eight pillars go, this is what Fabula Ultima recommends keeping it in your mind when creating the world what are the eight pillars yeah uh the eight pillars are i'm gonna tell you okay oh (laughs) okay okay yeah so uh the eight pillars are number one the world has to have ancient ruins and harsh lands oh okay so past civilizations have been left behind and powerful artifacts and legends exist throughout the world okay so So these are like rules that you have to have in the the like setting yeah they're like 
because when you play like a JRPG, like often you'll go dungeon delving and just come out with crap and you're like, ah, useful crap. Yeah. Which most worlds probably have like ancient histories buried beneath. And that's mm. kind of what it's prepping. Like these things help you set up the land in that way. Oh, right. It kind of just explains why dungeons have chests. In them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, okay. And also gives you like a little thinking exercise on what the previous kingdom and culture may be like to develop right, what right. the aesthetic of the dungeon is, the monsters mm. that might be found inside, along with the treasures that they might exist. Because yeah. in a techno fantasy, you might find a gun, but in okay. a natural fantasy, you might find like old like relics towards nature, like a druidic staff sure. or something along sure. those lines. Um, the world's always going to be in peril for some weird-ass reason. Right, right. No matter what, <laughs> the world's dying. I mean, that tracks. Like, real life is the same way. Yeah, exactly. Just take from the real life. They actually say <laughs> yeah. that, too, in the book. They're like... Oh, you like, know, for political stuff? Yeah, like, political stuff or threats to the world. Just think yeah, of real life. right. <laughs> you know? It may suck, but honestly... Just think of the various existential threats that loom over you like a specter in your everyday life. <laughs> At the end of the day, like, the easiest story to tell is a true story. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Just speak your truth. Yeah, just speak your truth. Um, the world's always going to be peril no matter what's going to happen. Uh, next one is clashing communities. Uh, for some mm. reason or another, there's going to be a few communities in the world that are clashing with one another, whether it's ancient grudges and the goal should be looking to reunite these communities being key to bringing the world together to stop the great evil, kind of like Mass Effect. I like that. Yeah, they could be, like I said, uh, past war crimes, maybe lost treasures, or maybe a misunderstanding, or maybe someone behind is puppeteering this conflict. Okay. And then make sure that while you're creating kingdoms in the world, keep an eye on the differences because difference in culture can be a blessing in what you're creating and act as descriptors and also make the story feel more alive. Yep. This next one kind of confused me, but it's just everything has a soul was just what it was called. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's a sort of like a narrative device mm -hmm. for like, oh, sometimes people can be brought back or like you can kind of invoke the... Um, like somebody's spirit who died previously, yeah. uh, like in a scene to uh, like give yourself like an advantage or something. Okay, that makes sense. So okay. it's just kind of like people aren't dead, dead. There's always kind of like a, a thing after if you need to use it. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Because I read it and I was just like, okay. I, I, right, I can see it just like not coming up. I'm like, just like, by the way, everything has a soul. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. We just, yeah. We'll, <laughs> Do it that way you will. Yeah. Uh, next one is magic and technology. Have an understanding of the magic and how the technology works in the world. Is it techno fantasy and there's golems and automatrons walking around? Or is it like a high fantasy where only specific wizards who spend mm. years studying or are magic bloodborne? You have to be born with the power and maybe they're uh, treated differently because of it. The next pillar is heroes of many shapes and sizes, which essentially just says that no matter what happens in this story, no matter what crazy problem occurs, the heroes mm. are always the players. And it revolves around them. So okay, why did they word it like that? Uh, I don't know. Because it sounds more like <laughs> yeah, like inclusivity. But then okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Anyone can be a hero, and um, the main thing here is that if a villain is going to do something and cause havoc to the world, your heroes are always going to be conveniently there, and that's fine. Oh, okay? gotcha, gotcha. Like okay. while realistically traveling across the continent may take like half a year. At the end of the day, they're going to arrive just in time to stop the villain from doing his last three-day plot to sacrifice a village and send them into destruction so he can revive his dead wife or something. Gotcha. Okay? Gotcha. I mean, because she had a soul, so... Yeah, she had a soul, so... Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, it's in the rules. The main thing is, like, don't harp on realism too much is what they're saying. Yes, yes, yes. It's a JRPG. For those who have played, you understand how 
weirdly convenient your characters always show up to save the day. Right. This one kind of plays into it. It's all about the heroes. Same thing again. Uh, and then mystery, discovery, and growth. Wait, was that one of the pillars? Yeah. So there's heroes of many shapes and sizes. Okay. And then it's always about the heroes. It's all. Oh, about the, the pillar is it's always about the heroes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I I wrote these notes down pretty quickly while I was at work. So okay. Sorry, <laughs> it's a little messy. Buy the book if you really want to use it. The last few sound a lot more just like DM guidelines rather mm-hmm. than like this is how the world should be. Well, it's also to include the players on like how to like help them jog their creative juices. Yeah, okay. building the world. It's like, hey, these are just, again, these are pillars of how Fabula Ultima recommends building the world, and yeah. everyone's going to focus on one thing or another, depending on your style and your personal preference and even your background. Yeah. So. Okay, so what number is uh, the heroes are always, or everything's about the heroes? Uh, seven. That's the seventh I think color? that's the seventh one, yeah. Okay, what's the eighth? Uh, mystery, discovery, growth, which okay. is Let's find ancient things. mysteries. There's always going to be an ancient mystery in the world that needs to be unraveled. Sure. And heroes have to grow and feel. Like, okay. that's just something that players have to keep in mind. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, okay. And then when you're starting to build a world with your players after going through your zero session and figuring out what things people want to talk about and what topics they don't, uh, they recommend you download their world sheet and map sheet. Daniel's never seen this before, so I'm going to show him right now. Okay, great. So this is the world sheet. Okay, so it's basically just a blank page where you write down stuff about your world. So like the name. Oh, so everything we just ran through basically. Exactly. <laughs> and then there's just like a map that vaguely looks like our world map, not really. Okay, so basically there's a really eurocentric world map of our <laughs> map where Africa doesn't exist. <laughs> and then like Australia is sandwiched between Europe and Asia. And then there's another one that looks a little more like the sort of Eurasia of like the uh, you know, like dinosaur period. Maybe we should just do a dinosaur campaign. This. Oh yeah, cool. that'd be cool. All okay, right. this sounds really fun though. Okay, if you're listening to this, you can't see it, but like, okay, you can see it if you go to needgames.it. No, okay. don't go to that link. If you Google Fabulous Ultimate, I swear to fucking God, if you go to that link, I'll come to your house and I'll fucking strangle the life out of you. No. <laughs> okay. Stop. Yeah, Back I wouldn't. Away. I wouldn't do that. But it sounds. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if you want to actually shout out the link, but it sounds really fun to like just post a world map like a blank world map and Mm -hmm. then just you know basically throw darts at it and be like hey this is where this is and then you're with your players and it's just like building a world together yeah that could be a fun way to do it oh yeah i should probably shout this out yeah uh it's needgames.it that's the website daniel will not strangle you don't go to it daniel's telling you not to go to it but you should go to it that's where you go buy the book too if anyone wants the rule book so you should buy it true yep see that's true (laughs) he won't strangle you for that (laughs) you should buy the book but if you go to the site don't Look at the world map. Honestly, like, they just give it as a suggestion, too. You can build the map yourself in whatever way. You can use Incarnate to draw something. Yeah, yeah. Um, You can make it a giant tube if you want. That was one of their weird suggestions. Okay. Have I ever told you how I did my world map for the old uh, D&D game I ran? I I feel like we di- you showed me a world map at some point. Yes. Okay, so... My world map for anyone who's seen uh, Ruby, uh, done by Rooster Teeth. Ruby. Uh, Ruby, yes. Uh, they have a manga now. Ruby. Manga oh, now. do they? Yeah. Uh, and they also have a collab with Justice League, which was very weird to see. Whoa, bizarre. Yeah. Okay. Back when Monty, uh, Monty Ohm, I was going to say Monty, Monty Python. Monty Python, yeah. yeah. Back when Monty Ohm was still alive, he showed a picture of how he created the world, okay. which he took 
a bottle of ketchup and squeezed it on a napkin and crushed it together. Whoa. And then he drew the outlines and that was the world of Grimm. Okay. And I was just like, sick. So I did that for my world and it did not turn out as well. Okay. But it was still a fun exercise to be like, okay, this is where continents appear. How yeah. did the water formations affect the world? Yada, yada, yada. Oh, yeah. No, that sounds really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's because now it's like a fully randomly generated plots of land mass that exists. Yeah, you kind of have to like really constrain yourself to whatever you get. And then that, like, whatever you get kind of informs exactly how the world was formed. Yeah. Yeah, that's sick. But yeah, those are, that's actually the first thing that they recommend you start doing is choose the shape for your world. Um, okay. That's one way to do it. Uh, they recommend grab the map sheet. Uh, if you don't want to use the map sheet on their website, then don't. I yeah. Don't tell you. No, don't. Yeah. Actually, don't grab it. The main thing here is they want you to try to establish travel days if that's something you want to incorporate into your world. Right, right. Uh, this is kind of like your random encounters when traveling the overworld for any JRPG and the ability to discover mysteries that occur because that's one of the partial aspects of like the traveling of this world. Yeah. I'm not going to dive into that too much because personally when running one shots or just my personal style, I usually just give people fast travel because yeah 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 it's basically just saying like establish how long it would take to get from point a to point b at any given distance on the map so you can kind of frame like if the villain is in the next town and he's like casting a big spell to blow up the planet Mm -hmm. and you have like it's gonna take two days to cast then you have to get there faster than two days and so like you can use it as a sort of like narrative device or whatever if you want. Yeah. It's but, a challenge. Or it's just like there's a glooming evil aura around this town. Right. Walk to the town and then the it just so happens he has one day left to cast the spell. Yeah, yeah. But sometimes you um like they mentioned in the book, like uh you can use um like clocks to kind of pressure your players into yeah. not just like sitting in a town all day. Yes, yes. Um yes. so yeah. So it's just like in like it's just to keep it like narratively consistent like if you need to use travel as like a device for something then just be like yeah it's it's this far it would take you this long yeah basically uh, yeah i guess from my perspective as a game master i can see how that works and like helps tell the story but with certain groups i'm just like oh yeah absolutely this is absolutely. the next story beat i'm sorry but there's also like uh, you know like vehicles and air mm-hmm. and land travel so it's just to kind of be like you know you can be rewarded for like, yes, yeah. paying for a vehicle or something. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so. and, and those are things that, that you can decide if you want to incorporate in your game. Yeah. I guess before we get actually into building the magic and technology of the world that we're building, what shape is our world? Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to just like decide that. Just pick a shape. Any shape. Oh, just like a shape? A shape, Are yeah. we going to like mess with it? Yes. Oh, you mean like the, the shape of the planet? Yeah. I don't see anything wrong with just like making it a globe. A globe? Is it a flat globe? Uh, no, globes can't be flat. Those are oh, 3D. right. I guess there is a distinction to be made because there are a lot of games where, like, there is just an edge of the world. Yes. Um, yeah, I wonder. Is it more interesting to... Because I guess since it's a, it's we're, we're choosing natural fantasy, so maybe it would be a lot more interesting to, like, have a literal edge of the world mm-hmm. to kind of reinforce the sort of, like, the world is, like, unknown and dangerous. Wouldn't it be cool if, like, if you... F- go to the edge of the world, you walk up the edge, you'll end up on the other side of the world, and it's okay. just the other... It's like, it's a mirror version of the world. Oh. Right. You're talking about a globe? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except it's not round. You just go... Whoop. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. So you're literally... You start out at the same point, and then you start walking backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. That would be kind of trippy. Yeah, it'd be trippy. I don't know. Uh, I- yeah, okay. I mean, it would be kind of fun to explore, like, why that is the case mm-hmm. okay why yeah, the world is flat yeah so why would it would kind of be like no i mean because it, it's just mirrored so there wouldn't be a shape explanation would there mm-hmm. 
you some kind of Euclidean plane. I don't know what that Euclidean means. Euclidean plane? <laughs> Do you just want to say Euclidean? Math terms. Okay. No, no. You like it's it's a term for like geometry. But I also do like to be in Euclid, Ian. <laughs> Not mine, but someone else's. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm talking to the listeners. Okay. If you would like me to perform cunnilingus on you. Is that too raunchy? No, we talked about way worse. Yeah, we talked about way worse. Well, way worse, but like not in a way that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So, All right, <clears throat> listeners, you can email us if you want that. So it's a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, send us an email. <laughs> That's on my Tinder bio. It's just like, hey, email me at daniellee at gmail.com if you want me to perform cunnilingus on you. Oh, man. I haven't gotten an email. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably illegal to ask for that, right? Like, they might think you're a cop or something. It? It's not illegal. Oh, yeah, that's true, because you're not actually paying for it, right? Oh, you're talking about prostitution. Yeah. That's true. Prostitution is illegal. Yeah, but, like, emailing someone to perform cunnilingus on you right, isn't illegal, right? right? It's, just, it's like solicitation, but it's not... Yeah. It's if, not... If like, anything, uh, it's close to sexual harassment. Okay, that's, like, your opinion, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not going to take it off. Okay, fine. Anyways, you can check out Daniel's Tinder profile to get more info if you need. Oh, man, this is... This wait, hang on. No, we can tangent here. So I was thinking about this earlier, but there's this funny thing you say in Japanese, which is it's literally um like, but that's just your opinion though. Mm. So they'll say like, "でもそれあなたの感想ですよね," which is like, but that's your opinion, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like the perfect epitome of basically like how you be aggressive <laughs> as a Japanese person, <laughs> because it's basically saying like you're not disagreeing with them. You're saying, but that's your opinion, right? You're saying, like, that's wrong without saying that's yeah. wrong. That's just your idea. I'm not saying you're wrong. It's just an idea. Yeah, and it's great because it's, like, in Japan, there's all these, like, social rules you kind of have to, like, mm -hmm. quote-unquote follow. Yeah. So it's, like, you are kind of breaking the rules without breaking the rules mm -hmm. by being, like, aggressive in, like, the most polite way. <laughs> like, it's kind of like you introduce someone to Street Fighter and then you just play Guile. <laughs> and then so it's just, like, your, your game plan is just, like, projectiling them all day and then when they try to jump in on you you flash kick them uh -huh. and it's like i'm i'm breaking the rules by following the rules as closely as possible yeah anyways. that's just your idea though right <laughs> right that's just my opinion oh man all right cool so that's your you know. japanese lesson for the day yeah how to how to be uh i guess throw shade at people yep. in japanese yep all right so, cool let's build this world so we got a flat world so it's like a mirror world with a mirror world on the opposite side okay okay and maybe they're drilling into each other's world to try to, like, vie for power. I don't know. We'll, we'll discover the threats as we go okay, on. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's paint the threads here. So you want to do, like, a mirror world, right? I can see that you're kind of thinking in, like, a sort of Symphonian, like, there's two worlds. Well, I was, yeah, like, Symphonia, actually, that's actually a pretty good one. I was thinking uh, Link to the Past. Okay, like a dark world kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, kind of dark world. So kinda. I was thinking it would be really cool if it was a world where, like, there is... Uh, so it's basically like I don't know what the shape is like. It's like a flat circle, basically, it's a like a flat circle, right? It's a piece of paper. Yeah, yeah. And then so <laughs> it's a square with so, angles, so and corners. It's a it's yeah. So it's a it's a piece of paper. It's a it's an eight and a half by eleven, <laughs> and it's folded hamburger style. Oh, okay. And so the fold is where Hold the on. the mirror is. Oh shit! So you see another world above you at all times? Well, no, no. It's it is just well. I mean, we could do that. That actually sounds pretty dope. I think it would be too crazy. What if it you couldn't see the other world because there's clouds there? Yeah, and something like, like something that. Something just blocking Oh, the that would be pretty great. Yeah. Uh, but basically, it's like the lore of the world is like there are like edges where it's just like a waterfall. So I guess if you were facing the horizon line, that's where it, they send it would be their behind dead. you. Yeah, they I just guess. They just push their dead off Viking the cliff. stuff yeah, like that. Viking yeah, okay, cliff, that's yeah. pretty sick. 
and that and then, way they don't have to deal with like dead bodies piling up. Yeah, great. Well, I feel like we had something like that. <laughs> I guess we have the ocean. That's what we do. Yeah, and cremation, which helps. Right, right, right. So yeah, why don't why don't they just cremate in this world? That's kind of weird. Because they have a waterfall that they can yeah. Just I guess under. they have a waterfall shaped hole. They might as well you put in a waterfall <laughs> shaped well use solution. It, right? <laughs> yeah. But so basically, um, the the whole lore is like you. There's like edges of the world, but then this in the crease, basically mm. the great crease, the great crease. Um, I like that. There is just like a hey. There's like a mist here, and if you cross it, then no one's ever come back, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then, but that's basically like the sort of entry into the other world. Oh, uh, and the other world just is piling up with dead bodies for some <laughs> yeah, reason. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. Well, but no, I mean, the bodies would have just fallen off, I guess, into space. Oh, okay. I don't really know how these JRPG worlds work, but then there's some kind of plot device with like, oh, there's actually two worlds, but people say that you die if you cross it so mm-hmm. that people don't cross it. Only the dead can cross it. Oh, okay. Yeah. What if every time a person dies, they cross into that world, they okay. get reborn into that world? Oh, that's fucking interesting. So, what if it? What if the world really is a tube? Oh, okay. And and there's just two sides where you cross. But they think it's a piece of paper. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. For some <laughs> reason, they think like, hey, the world is just like super flat and square, <laughs> even though they have no real evidence supporting it. It's just what the masters told them from eons past. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I like how we've already locked onto the sort of theme of like a looping world of reincarnation. Okay, and maybe that maybe something happens to that because that's the natural cycle of this world. Right. But maybe something's causing havoc there. Maybe that's a threat we can play with. Yeah, okay, cool. Okay. Nice. Um, so we have kind of like a vague shape of the world. We have it's a, a big tube, tube world. It's yeah. a big tube world. Yeah. Do you want to call it something? Should we call it Tube World? No, let's just call it Tube World. Tube World. Okay, yeah. cool. Oh, you mean like like the land of blank? Yeah, land of tubula. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is tubular backwards? Rollabat. 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 Yeah, Rollabat. Okay. Sounds a little too like Egyptian pharaoh. Ah. But that's fine. We can have some Egyptian themes in here somewhere. Next up is magic and technology of this world. Yep. What is in this world like? What's the industrial development? Is it re- Renaissance like? Is it steampunk? What do you want to play with? I mean, it's naturalistic, so I'm right. feeling. Wait, are like- are there are there questions that they ask for this, or is it just like just decide on a thing? Uh, they have questions, so I'll read you the questions. Yes. Okay. What is the role of okay. magic and technology in your setting? Are you living in an age of industrial development? Or is it more renaissance? Oh, sorry. Okay, so the questions are just what you just said, but in question form? Yeah. Is magic seen as a form of science or mostly as a great mystery? Oh, gotcha. Okay, okay. Well, oh, is that the only question? Those are the questions you have to work with. So basically, it's saying frame the world in terms of how advanced is civilization and how prevalent is magic. Uh, Right? Is that fair? Yes, correct. So let's talk about uh, like how advanced slash like clued into the nature of the world okay people are and i would say it sounds like maybe what we are going towards is a sort of post-civilization new low fantasy like low technology world in which case it would probably be a lot more like feudalistic Mm -hmm. like there are countries and like established empires except they're kind of cut off from each other they're sort of isolated yes and there isn't a lot of like insight into the nature of like what the world is, how to get around, what the extents of it are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they can't tell it's not a piece of paper. So yes, <laughs> right, right. Um, so pretty, I guess like 
In terms of technology? I'm thinking pretty low fare, like just like carriages and horseback kind of thing. Yeah, okay, so nobody really has any sort uh, of... But I think maybe there are magical creatures, like spirits in the world that okay. work with people. And that's kind of like this bond that they create. Like okay. people bond with the spirits, they communicate with each other and like they share this power of magic. Like maybe magic isn't just... I cast a spell and fireball. Right. It's, oh, I, oh, you draw on the, the power of yeah, like some kind some, of primal force. Exactly, of the world. Like a prim- yeah, primordial elemental force that exists that is a, a living being as well. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's keep all this simmering in the pot. I like this. Okay. How do you feel about leaving it open to there being like a certain part of the world that has access to like a technological stand-in, basically? Where it's like, hey, we have like cars or like oh. robots i thought you were thinking like beyond spirit oh no yeah well <laughs> we have it's our like, own created spirit form well because it would basically be like oh we harness the power of spirits to like make robots kind of thing oh, okay okay i don't mind that i like that could be like a great enemy force that exists because is it like too cliche or like does it clash too much with the aesthetic to be like Here's a isolated part of the world where they found ancient technology and figured out how to reboot it. No, I don't think so. I think that's perfectly reasonable. Okay, cool. Because what I really wanted to do is... um. <laughs> okay, so there is this series of Sonic the Hedgehog adventure books from oh, like Jesus. the 80s or something. Okay. And um, there is this setting in it where it's, it's called Metal City. Okay. And it's just like Robotnik has this empire called metal city where he just has a bunch of like robots in it and they're powered by uh like chips that he puts into them um that are also like game gear like basically game boy chips okay um okay but yeah i just trying to sell game gears to people probably but yeah i just just want metal city to be in the world okay fine i i like that as like maybe one of the kingdoms that exists yeah and they're vying to try to take over the world like, do you think they should be in the mirror world or just in the regular world? Already? Oh, we're going to have to figure that out, huh? Mm. Okay, let's save that. Do a run through of just building the world. And then we'll see if like a mirror world fits into it. Yeah, if it's like too different, like we'll see like, oh, but should we save this for the mirror world? If that's going to be a thing that prevents us from just doing a run through of the whole thing. Once. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, so I think we have a decent grasp of how technology and magic work. The, yeah, the major communities of this world are probably very low-tech carriages, right. Renaissance fair style, like village people. Right, uh, right. Not YMCA village people, but like just... Wait, what? Uh, sorry, that's just... My brain connected two things that did not have anything to do with each other. Um, and then the... <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Metal... What is a YMCA village person? Have you never heard of village people before? From, okay. From what? I'm gonna pull the, I, Are they like the people who wrote the song? Yeah, they're the musical group that wrote YMCA. Oh, village people. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. It's That's even crazy. funnier now that I explain it to you. No, so. <laughs> it's even funnier that your mind would think that you need to clarify that village people is referring to a band <laughs> instead of just people from a village. <laughs> Though, I mean, we might be at the point in our human history where villages aren't really a thing to a lot of people anymore. Yeah. There I... are people who come from, like, literally come from, like, European villages, mm-hmm. kind of isolated from, like, cities. Mm-hmm. 
where if you told me that i would be like i have no idea what your life was like like i can't even imagine what it would be like to live in like a village yeah without people or like realistically I, they probably have wi-fi of some sort but yeah i mean they probably use like satellite at this point yeah but it's but... just like such a it's like such a foreign concept for us but that's also because right. we grew up here maybe there are yeah we're just really privileged <laughs> yeah exactly born and raised in arizona born clearly in the usa all right. All right. So we kind of have magic and technology. The only last thing I want to add is that magic isn't well understood. Like people yes. are able to harness it to do things, but it's still a great mystery on where it comes from, how these spirits come to be. It's like, oh, yeah. no one knows the <clears throat> genus or geological or no, ecological, no, biological nature of these creatures. I think that's the right ology for that. Sure. Sure. Okay. Next up they have here is create the major kingdoms and nations of your world. Mark their borders on the map and discuss their relations, mutual trust, strained alliances, or open conflicts. Each person at the table should contribute at least one kingdom or nation during this step, providing some details about their custom, beliefs, industries, denizens, and creatures. Yeah. So, get involved, people. Okay. So, uh, we kind of talked about one kingdom. We got Metal City. Sure. Okay. Okay, uh, so I guess mine was Metal City, uh, and then... Mine was the village, people. Wait. Oh, did you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sure, yeah. yeah. You go, yeah, it's a remote village, and then there's... It's four it's, villages, It's a bunch, YMCA. Right, it's a bunch of young men. <laughs> and then the mystery is, where did everybody else go? Oh! Why is it just a bunch of strong young men? That sounds like... Did you ever watch that anime Nagasara to Erinto? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is the opposite It's the opposite. Of, yeah. But it's still like a concept that could exist in a world right? it, would, it would be really funny to run like a reverse harem yeah for a bunch of female characters yeah it's just like ah and okay. one male character that happens to be there maybe yeah okay yeah but uh maybe that's uh one of the kingdoms or villages that exist in the world okay yeah no that sounds funny enough to run with that is there a number we want to arrive at for the total number of because i think we probably need some major actors in this world oh in the kingdoms uh let's just do three for now just to just three kingdoms yeah we'll just do three kingdoms yeah okay cool so i got one or, I mean, like, locations in general. Is not that Chinese not, thing? Not three just kingdoms. kingdoms. Or is that... Three kingdoms, yeah, definitely okay. reminds me of the three kingdoms, yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, okay. So maybe Guan Yu should be in this world oh, somehow. Yeah, yeah, And then Lu Bu and all that. <laughs> right, okay, right, cool, right. Cool, cool. We were all set up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just play Romance of the Three Kingdoms. So we have... We'll, we'll start with yours, because we kind of have a lot going already. It's yeah, okay. A metal empire, and it sounds very antagonistic in a yes, weird yes. way. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, no. I think it would be fun to just have, like just a straight up evil empire but i guess this would probably be like the main antagonist of this world if this is how it's gonna because it's like literally you know like dr robotnik yeah it, yeah definitely antagonist like if we're going from a tail scenario this is antagonist a that you think is the main antagonist true then true. when you switch to disc two antagonist b is the earth is trying to kill you oh <laughs> yeah i like that okay let's let's run with that design because i like that dr eggman or sort of like his robot empire is basically the stand-in for designs right mm -hmm. if we're yes. if we're talking about like a symphonian history yeah in a way yes for sure as a scholar of symphonia <laughs> uh i would attribute the presence of dr robotnik in this world uh is akin to that of the designs in the world of Asalia. no yeah. that's the first oh no i'm a failure as a <laughs> as a symphonologist <laughs> Uh, the world of Silveron, good sir. Silveron, mm, yes. yes. Mm, uh, it was a Freudian slip. Yes. Azalea is the town Lloyd is from. <laughs> Although it does exist in Silveron, so you're not half wrong. <laughs> mm, yes, get absolutely uh, academically dunked on, my fair man. Yes, I will have to lower your rating by 13 <laughs> points, just uh, so you know. Okay, I like these new characters. <laughs> um, yeah, so we have this Robotnik kingdom where he... Like, essentially, our design S, they have higher technology than the rest of the world. Yeah. They're 
maybe more driven? How do you think like culturally, maybe their government is run? Is it like dictatorship by Robotnik? Well, yeah. So I think for both in terms of it being sort of like an interesting design constraint and it also just being a lot funnier, mm-hmm. I'll just literally tell you what Metal City is. And it's basically okay. just like, it's just a big fortress. Okay. Of it, it, Okay. It's actually like- Of metal. Now that I'm thinking, yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, it is like- it's funny how Why like they call Metal Fortress. Well, well, because it's a city. Okay. Cool. Well, no, no. It was actually because it's really like industrial. Because um, oh. it's like where he's like it's basically like his eight racks and he's putting out robots. His eight racks. That's a Starcraft reference. Oh, his eight barracks. Okay. Oh no, no, yeah, he's a cow and he has a lot of of nipples. <laughs> More than a normal cow. <laughs> well, I would actually yeah, sixteen nipples because he has eight racks. Because a rack is like a set of breasts. Oh, okay, so he's a he's a bio player. Yeah. So as a breastologist. I would attribute the 16 nipples to belonging to that of eight racks. Mm, is it quite right? <laughs> I like how your character for this has like such an underbite for some reason. Like that's just what happens when you like study something really stupid for a long time as you just like permanently have an underbite. It grows per each rack you successfully accomplish. Your body is just like, yeah, people can't respect me. So I'm just going to morph you into something hideous. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, uh, Metal City, as jokey as it is, is actually, like, kind of cool in, like, a Warhammer 40k kind of way. Because it's kind of like a machine city, basically, where it's, like, it is a city that has become so, like, streamlined in terms of, like, industrial output. Okay. That it is just, like, layers and layers of factories and, like, everything is connected by, what are they called? conveyor belts in like a oh, fucked up factorial kind of way like wires that carry things and drop it's like yeah dun, dun, yeah dun, dun, so it's like a nice beat mm-hmm. um so it's like a Thank uh, you. it's almost like the sort of like architecture and city planning of a human city but it's just been like repurposed over time into just like a monster of industry mm-hmm. and also the only person there is dr, dr. eggman, eggman. <laughs> Do you think this metal city that we're creating only has one person living there? Like, he's created, I think that would be really he's cool. He's just a super genius. Yeah, like, he's maybe... It's just kind of like a Dr. Brain kind of situation. Okay. I don't know if that's, like, a real character. Or if it's just, like, a Mother children's brain? game thing. Okay. But basically, it's just, like, a guy, and he's, like... He, he has sort of ascended the limits of human life. Okay. And has just, like, become a machine. So, I don't know Sonic lore super well. Is Dr. Robotnik the one who creates Shadow, or is Dr. Eggman the one? No. Because there's, like, two different ones, right? Isn't, isn't the one the one who created Shadow is Maria, right? Well, Maria is like Dr. the scientist. One of the... No, no, no I don't think... Because I don't think Eggman knew Shadow. Yeah, but I know Maria isn't... No, I don't think Maria made Shadow, because there was another scientist involved in that. Yeah, yeah, but it was, like, a faction separate from Eggman, right? Yes, or Eggman... Or maybe he's related to Eggman. I never understood the lore. I don't know what Eggman actually fucking wants in the world half the time. He just picks up animals and puts them in their robot. He wants the the power of the Chaos Emeralds. To do what? Um... Well, I guess we would decide that right now. Okay, so what does Dr. Eggman want to do with the Chaos Emeralds that now exist in this world? That... I actually kind of love the idea that we're making a JRPG world that just has Chaos Emeralds. Yes. That's actually, I like that a lot as a plot device. You want to know what you would like even more? The fact that Chaos kind of fits into like a natural world ending threat. Yeah, that should be our world. Okay. Yeah, that's the world ending threat. Maybe Eggman kind of like knows what's beyond the veil and Mm. he needs the power of the Chaos Emeralds to pierce that. Okay. And he wants to subjugate. Great band. Yeah, pierce the veil. Great. Um, and he wants to kind of, like, access the other world and then maybe, I don't know, like, collect its Namekian 
uh, identical set of Chaos Emeralds oh, slash okay. Dragon Balls. Dragon Balls. Are there also eight Dragon Balls? Like, are... oh yeah, I think so. No, there's like, seven. There's seven Dragon Balls. Are there seven Chaos Emeralds? There's seven Chaos Emeralds now. There's a Master. Emerald. Do you think they just straight up copied Dragon Ball? <laughs> they could when have. they made Sonic Adventure. Well, yeah. Maybe. Oh no, it would it would have been no Chaos Emeralds were in like Sonic and Knuckles, right? Yeah, yeah. It's in like the earlier series, like because you run into it when because you fight knuckles in like the opening cutscene and he knocks him out of you right yeah 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 okay cool 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 anyways chaos lore yep all right so uh in our world you also start as a super powered super saiyan hedgehog and then it gets yes, all your emeralds yes, knocked you, out of you you have to be sonic <laughs> you have to be sonic and then you're actually split personalities of sonic oh <laughs> wait you get to design your own hedgehog Yo, this campaign's gonna be sick. I'm gonna post mine on DeviantArt. <laughs> this is my OC, don't steal. <laughs> this is Monik. <laughs> oh my god. He's really fast. And, um... He has a gun? And he loves justice. He also has a gun. Yeah. And a sword. A gun blade. Yeah, oh, gun if blade. If you will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. His name is Squ- Squanic. Squanic? And he has a fedora and, a, like, a lab coat. Right, right. <laughs> what a look. <laughs> what a look. All right, so we've established that in this world, Dr. Robotnik essentially created his own kingdom called Metal City. And I guess we'll call him Dr. Robotnik, or actually, we'll just call him Jim Carrey. Fuck it. The same thing. Okay, okay. Well, I don't know if I like this revisionist lore (laughs) of replacing the image of Dr. Eggman with Jim Carrey's most recent uh, portrayal of the character. But he's so funny in the (laughs) series. I actually do like his take on it. No, no, I thought it was great. You know, I, I just love the idea of there just being, like, a big, fat, goofy guy who's just like, No, I hate that Sonic! But he's not that fat. He just has very skinny legs. He does have really skinny legs, which is eerie. Yeah, he skips legs day all day. It's all core. Well, he doesn't even work out. Cause, okay. Yeah, because he's just, like, yeah, it's just rotund with stick legs. Okay. But, yeah, anyways, so, yeah, yeah, what, what do we need to establish for this? So, we need to establish one, the other two kingdoms still, but I kind of want to figure out more about this kingdom, just, like, as a game master, how mm-hmm. I'd work with it. It's like, okay... We know we have the villain. We know their goal is to collect the eight Chaos Emeralds, and they yes. want to pierce the veil. Okay, and then he's all alone in this world, and he's building this robot empire. Yeah. Why is he trying to pierce the veil? Like, what is his ultimate goal? Like, is he looking to take over the world? Is he looking to ascend to godhood? Like, what is that thing? Like, right. I think all of them work. Okay, so I think now that we've gotten to this point, it feels a lot more like, rather than being a stand-in for the designs, he's actually kind of a stand-in for the angels in Symphonia, right? Because... He, he is kind of like the only one who kind of knows the truth of the world, and he's trying to do something that will kind of upend it. Yes, uh, he is... He could, oh, no, I guess they, he would be trying to preserve the sort of cycle of something. Yeah, like, if we wanted to give him, like, uh, empathy and, like, a tragic storyline, maybe he's trying to revive his sister or daughter, Maria. I think is also the name... No, Martha is the name in Symphonia, but yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Because that's Mythos' storyline, and that's, like, his tragic hero storyline that he has to deal with. Oh, so he's trying to resurrect somebody. Yeah, the entire plot of Tales of Symphonia and the fake storyline and yeah. the the chosen cycle is to create the ultimate chosen. That oh, has as the, a vessel. As a vessel for Martel. Right, okay. And then Martel gets the vessel as Colette and is just like, you fucked up, Mythos, <laughs> I'm out, and then leaves. And then Mythos can't deal with being wrong, so he's mm-hmm. just like, I'm going to take all of this magic and Daris Carlon and the world tree with me and let your world die and just float off into space. Oh, that's shit. all he wants to do. Cause he's like, fuck everything. I just want to be alone. Fuck this. I'm out. Yeah. But the ultimate fuck this. Yeah. I'm the out. ultimate fuck this. I'm out. But, but 
the world of Silveron and Tepeala do still need a world tree for mana. Right. So they go up and merc Mythos to take the... To get world, the tree back. Get okay. the tree back. Gotta have the tree. That's how that storyline works. But do we want to give Robotnik an empathetic plotline, or are we just making him the villain of villains? He does bad things. Bye-bye. Well, so... We haven't decided yet what exactly we want to do with the parallel world scenario we've made for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So why don't we kind of scale it back and then... The parallel world scenario could have a parallel Robotnik that... Maybe there's an Eggman and then there's a Robotnik and they're parallels of each other. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well... So are these going to be parallel worlds or is it going to be a kind of like a more Symphonian situation where it's like... It's just two worlds that, like, feed off of each other, but they're not, you know, like, literally parallel. I like them being mirror worlds. So, like, when the dead pass through our world to their world, they come back to life. Oh, right, because we're going to do the the reincarnation thing. The tubular thing, yes. Okay, so what would be, like, a fitting conflict for the world, right? Well, I think for the present world, the one where Dr. Eggman and Metal City exist in will be, like, there's a guy gathering up all the spirits of this world to use in his metal city and leaving the world with nothing. He's just right, kind of like okay. harvesting all of the environmental resources to okay, create okay. like an yeah. ultimate drill to pierce <laughs> the heavens. So, because it sounds to me like the kind of our our karmic cycle in this world of getting born between the two worlds mm-hmm. uh, alternatingly, it's like good, right? Like if you learned about that, you wouldn't be like, I want to stop this. Yeah, I don't think you would want to stop it unless you have a stake in it. Maybe he doesn't want... Like, this is the part where, like, he could just be a villain who just never wants to die and wants to be immortal, and he's trying to hit that deity level, and he's just like, if I can stop this, then if I stop the flow, maybe I can never die. Maybe I'm seeking immortality. Yeah, okay, that's a great angle, because then you can just be like, I'm trying to... Like, it's just a guy who found this abandoned city... Mm -hmm. And is like, oh shit, this is how the world works? Like, if I can get these Chaos Emeralds, then I can make a machine that will, like, return my spirit to my own body or whatever. Mm -hmm. Or, like, I can create a host and then, like, keep returning my spirit into my own vessel and then be immortal. Yeah, essentially a lich. He's aiming for lichdom. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah, let's stick with that for now and then... Maybe uh, we might have to tweak it if we eventually decide on something to do with like the two worlds. Okay. Yeah. So, but that's maybe his first goal, and I, I, I pretty much like that as a first beat arc, and it's a good villain to start with, and it sets up a lot of like enemy encounters that may exist in the world, which yeah. are robots, <laughs> right? Robots right, stealing right. spirits. Just in that. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. It feels like a little bit retconny to kind of go back and be like, okay, so this is gonna be a naturalistic world, but now there's also robots running around everywhere. Well, but I guess the theme of the world is not necessarily, like, what's inside it, because there's yes. still going to be, like, you know, nature everywhere, yeah, kind of, like, overgrown. Yeah, and there just happens to be one flying metal city sucking up all the nature. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I kind of imagine that metal city would be maybe, like, just in a super remote place, and that's why it was never really discovered until recently. Yeah, it's like an outlier thing, where one guy yeah. who's very smart happens to be able to harness some ancient technology, and boom. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like a, you know, one of, like a, an old hero or something of the world who like ventured past, you know, like mountains or something that were said to be like too dangerous and then found it. Oh, Dr. Robotnik is an old hero of the world? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Maybe got cast out, sent to a mushroom planet? Yeah, or yeah, just one of those things where it's just like, oh, I've become, I've like ascended humanity 
to the point where like I have disdain for my own people. And oh, then, he went hermit mode and yeah. then found enlightenment, which is I can live forever. Right, right. I mean, it's kind of a nice motivation for him because it's like you kind of just like descend into narcissism mm -hmm. because you kind of feel like nobody can understand you because you've like you've placed yourself so far above yeah the riffraff mm -hmm. okay i like that i like that okay so we have i think at this point we've already established a strong villain yeah let's work on two other kingdoms that exist right so supposedly this would be like where the players are from yes at least one of these other kingdoms there may be i don't know the technology level of it the magic level but i think one of them should be pretty brutal it's just like maybe I, I want a world that is not exactly like a bunch of small villages, but in a mm. way where like here are a bunch of collection of people that live very close to each other and they just kind of survive by trade and working together. And they're not really involved. There's no like kingdoms associated with one another. They're okay. not like a built in army. They're just like, we kind of live here. Yeah. And we okay. just live on our own as long as nobody bothers us. Okay. Yeah. Supposedly they would have to be in a remote place because like people aren't really actively going there the land would have to be kind of unforgiving to the point where they wouldn't be able to kind of like establish a thriving population yes. mm -hmm. so maybe somewhere like mountainous mm -hmm. where it's like too cold to like sustain yeah. a huge population mm -hmm. or uh i don't know like just somewhere like you know like an overgrown kind of old forest with yeah, like giant trees or exactly something. just like I, I was picturing like a very foresty region like giant trees people like kind of living both in the treetops and yeah below. maybe like a like a high elf slash like ewokian kind of exactly vibe. yeah okay yeah. and because of the spirits that exist in the world that act as like a magistore some are friendly but then a lot are not which kind of hinders the ability okay. for villages to grow because yeah there's a lot of attacks they have to move and in a way they kind of migrate here and there but yeah overall like it's hard for them to establish like a kingdom or an actual like government source right 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 okay yeah 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 i like that. more like small clans okay kind of like a nomadic mm -hmm. people that have learned to sort of live with the balance of the world yes rather than trying to like subjugate it exactly exactly because i think a nice way to think about it is like maybe they've tried once in the past and they just got wrecked yeah okay yeah so they're kind of like ju they just sort of live off of this sort of like ancestral knowledge of mm -hmm. like this is sometimes the spirits just kind of like do this. And then when that happens, you either just got to like get out of there or appease them somehow. Exactly. Yeah. And there might be like an old story that foretells the coming of the eight chaos emeralds and what happens if you pierce the veil. Oh, like they yeah. They have ancient knowledge. Maybe they like keep one of them. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Maybe that's the start. They have one of the emeralds to start the journey. Yeah. I imagine this is going to be something like. The Chaos Emeralds each represent, like, a region of the world, and it, yeah. it's, like, the the sort of, like, root of the power, or it's kind of, like, a focus for the power. Yeah, the elemental nature of the world. So this one might yeah. be, like, an earth green kind of color. Yeah, okay. So th there might be kind of, like, keepers of the emeralds. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that. Which gives reason for why Dr. Eggman would attack this village suddenly to, yeah, to seek yeah. this emerald. Yeah, okay, cool. Maybe they have an emerald scouter of some sort. Right, 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 right. Okay. So we kind of have the village people all developed. We'll call them what's a what's a fun name for this group of people? Um, I got no context. Well, the nice thing about oh this well, book, no, they would be uh they would it would be uh uh Yimika. Yimika? Yeah. What is that supposed because to be? Because it's just YMCA. 
Okay, perfect. Well, in case you are having troubles picking names, the book does have a list of names that you can use. Ooh, okay. Yeah, some of them such as Jeriva, uh, they got Ur, and they got Dunovo. <laughs> Dunovo oh, okay. Still. Honestly, I'm feeling Yimika. Yimika? Okay. Yeah. We'll go with Yimika. That is the name of this uh, clan ancestral region that exists. Maybe right. one of the players could come from. Honestly, that's up to you to decide. If you decide to play like a strong young man, then you can you can probably choose that. Yeah, and you kind of heard us kind of like theory crafting a long time on like what the magic and technology and how the world works. Yeah. If you're having some trouble thinking of stuff, or maybe you're not running a podcast and you don't have to just come up with crap <laughs> on the fly constantly. That's the only reason I'm creative yeah. at all is because I have to do it for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, the book also gives you a table that you can roll on for why some of the magic or technology ex- exists in your world. Ooh, okay. Some of the examples are... Wait, wait. Before you tell me, oh no, nah, okay, fuck it, yeah, just, just tell me. Wait, wait I wanted to, I wanted to roll and see what I got. Okay, roll. So what we're gonna do here, though, because the Fabulous Ultima book does come with a d20 table with some magic and t- technology references that you can use, and Daniel wants to roll the dice. We're gonna use that prompt as what we're gonna use for the Third Kingdom, whatever the hell that's gonna be. Oh, cool. Well, actually, so I mean, since we have three people here, I was just gonna ask Daniel Radcliffe what he wanted. Yeah. So Daniel, did you wanna? Do you have an idea for the third one? Uh, yeah, so, um, I was actually thinking, what if there was, like, um, like, uh, a cool place that maybe there was, like, waterfalls everywhere, and then there was just, like, a lot of, like, oh. hot, like, hot young women that, that, like, wanted to sleep with me. Oh, 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 like, are But, they like, all... me specifically. You, Daniel Radcliffe like, specifically. Right, right, like, not with the players. Oh. Well, I mean, presumably if I was a player, then I would, yeah, I would also be what, kind of like a player what, there. What? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's just a bit of a joke. Would they want to sleep with your character or you specifically, right, well, Daniel Radcliffe, the movie Right, yeah, star. well, so, so like, in-universe, they would be like, oh, there's this guy, Daniel Radcliffe, he's, like, so hot, and I want, would love to sleep with him. I actually emailed him requesting Cunnilingus the other day, <laughs> and he hasn't, hasn't, hasn't come back to me. Uh, yeah, just something like that. Uh, okay, I mean... We can definitely workshop that in. I don't know how I feel about yeah, Daniel. It. So uh, yeah, uh, here um, yeah. Why don't you come back later? Yeah, and maybe uh, we'll flesh out the rest of the world first, and then maybe that could be like an extra thing just for you that you can role play on your own uh, in your bedroom <laughs> by yourself. <laughs> well, what do you mean? Which I mean, we're like making making this world here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll we'll, we'll talk to you more about it later. Oh yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, during right. the full zero session when we all get together with. Daniel Craig as well. Because he also <laughs> oh, yeah, has some right. specific uh, things he wants to add in. Okay, yeah. We're, okay, great. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. Right. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. Usually Daniel Daniel Radcliffe, when he's on the podcast, is like more the kind of like the, the straight man. Yeah. But this time he was just like kind of like a, kind of like a weirdo. He had something. Yeah, he, he had a very specific intention. And I think yeah, he's kind just, of problematic. Yeah, I don't know if we can really include him in our game. We might have to forward. cut that. Oh, darn. That was rough. Yeah. Oh, that darn. was rough. Sucks to kind of lose the star power because I think it's really the only thing keeping this podcast going. Yeah. It's like people listen in because sometimes Daniel Radcliffe is on it. Yeah, we'll have to find another Daniel in the future. Yeah, maybe Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh. That's another famous Daniel that I realized existed the other yeah. day. Yeah. Anyways, what am I rolling? Uh, You're rolling a d20 to figure out uh, <laughs> okay, let's magic let's... and technology of the third kingdom. Okay, here we go. Yeah. That's a 15? Uh, 15. Spellcasters are trained in academies and then hired by nobles. So, very okay. Witcher-esque. I like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is kind of witchery. Yeah. You're a witcher. Yeah, a witcher. 
No, not you, Daniel Craig. Get out of here. <laughs> okay. And just for your, like, as a quick thing, like, these are pretty nice. They have a bunch of other options here, like magic is inherited through bloodlines. Magic comes from ancient crystals. Oh, okay. So it's the origin of magic. Yeah. Okay. Or technology in this way. Yeah. And ideas for what this particular kingdom or world might have. So okay. in this sense, for players uh, who may not have maybe some creative juices kicking, here's some suggestions to get you going. Mm-hmm. And it kind of shows you, like, literally, some of them come from games that we play all the time, like Witcher, Tales, Final Fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Like, magic uh, ma- that comes from gems. Sonic the Hedgehog game adventure books. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Avatar, The Last Airbender, whatever, okay? And then they also have, like, a DA table to help you decide whether or not the world or the kingdom you're building is a kingdom, is a nation, is a union, it's a oh, it's a village, yeah, whatever. okay, okay, yeah, okay, cool. So, um, yeah, okay, so we have the magic of this new kingdom. The nobles here specifically hire out magis that study in large academies. So I'm picturing, like, large skyscrapers. Oh, so, oh you roll on that table just for this location. Uh, yeah. I mean, you can use it for the whole world, too. It doesn't specify on what you want to do. It's just, like, magic and technology. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, no, they specifically say entire world or specific region or nation. Okay, okay, so you do you want to do that for this village idea no, no. we had, or do you want to do it for the whole world? For That one is going to be for, the one you just rolled, number 15, Yeah. Uh, is going to be for the third kingdom that we haven't established, because it's a three-kingdom thing. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so so it'll be sort of like an academy kind of city. Yeah, like an academia city, kind of like um, Mel Tokyo. What is that? I think it's a place in Tales of Symphonia. Don't worry about it. Um, I can't remember the name either. Oh, I'm I'm like vaguely remembering it, but yeah. So, do we want it to be like like sort of academy centric, or is it just sort of like like a a broader kingdom that has? Magic Academy's there. Yeah, so I'm picturing, like, a style of kingdom like Rohan or, uh... Gondor? Yeah, Gondor. Oh, sorry, yeah. or Minas Tirith? Yeah, Minas Tirith. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, here's a giant kingdom, but it has, like, smaller sub-sections that it yes. controls within its region. Yeah. But its style of politics is, one, it's uh, a monarchy. There is a king, because it's a... Because they... I think this one specifically, if we're going off the prompt, is that there is a king here. And the nobles here that live under the king hire out wizards that train at the academy that study the spirits and harness their energy to cast powerful spells. Yeah. Maybe not to the extreme level that Dr. Robotnik can execute, which I've been jumping between Robotnik and Eggman. I think they're synonymous, right? Yeah, yeah. Dr. Robotnik was his name before he basically became... Or no, 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 it wasn't. Or was it? No, his name was like Dr. Something Robotnik, and then he became like Dr. Eggman. Okay. There's, like, really stupid lore for it, where, like, I think he literally makes a machine and then, like, accidentally, like, gets mixed up with, like, rotten eggs that were in the fridge or something. What the fuck? Uh, it's from, like, the old comics. All right. Well, that's a whole thing. Anyways, yep. but yeah, like, so just a quick rundown for this kingdom. It's a monarchy. There's nobles that live here. And then nobles hire out mages that study at academies who yep. study spirits and harness their energies to cast spells. And I assume they either siphon it out of them or they just bond with them and cast spells working with them i think there's yeah. a, two different approaches but i like the fact that the spirits actually exist and they just essentially act like pokemon and give you magic spells I think right that's right cute. right right and then robotnik is putting them in machines and then using them to power ah, their machines okay you know it's really funny because that's like literally sonic lore yes <laughs> yeah okay oh okay okay so that's yes, why you exactly. said that okay 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 yeah yeah no that's that's good that's good 
I like how we are just kind of like slowly making like a Sonic RPG world. <laughs> Sonic open world JRPG. Yeah, like it was supposed to just kind of be like a haha, let's put in Metal City and then suddenly it's like, oh, okay, let's just make the whole world revolve around Sonic. Sonic yeah. But it's fun. I mean, it depends on the players if they're down to play. But... It is weirdly like it is kind of like the central it is a good like central pillar to frame the world around mm-hmm. somehow yeah there is like a lot going on that lets you kind of be like oh okay so this world can interact with that in this way mm-hmm. or i mean you know like this kingdom yeah plus if you have more players like to be fair it's daniel and daniel right now right and, and then the other daniel left and the other daniel left so there's no more waterfall right harem world and Daniel Craig and Daniel Day-Lewis are just chilling over there on the green room, just waving at us. <laughs> Hi, Daniels! Man, um, we pay them so much money to be here and not even speak on the podcast. It's crazy. Yeah, they're they're coming in later on in the season. Okay, okay, I see. We bring them in as we need them. We usually call on Radcliffe specifically. Yeah, but... well, they they're usually in here, but just doing like a lot of visual gags, which get cut. <laughs> it, it just doesn't translate well to the mic, sadly. Yeah, yeah, but it's just so expensive. We'll, we'll, oh, well. we'll look at the budget later. <laughs> Okay, um, but yeah, like, the more players you have, they'll have more ideas to come on. Like, us two, we just latched on to Sonic. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I, like, think, I think it's it's a much cooler creative process to have it with, like, you know, one DM and four players. Yeah. Because then you will kind of always have a really different angle that might change your opinion about your own idea. Yeah, plus more people will have more wants, because, like, other players will have specific things that they've seen true true things from their background that they want to bring in and include in like a kingdom you never know if someone wants to do like a three kingdom style story or if they want to do like an old style um like african tribal battle system that they want to set up yeah right right like i don't know a lot of different cultures but i'm sure there are a lot of different cultures exist yeah 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 Yeah, they could bring in like roman style empire like conquest that they want to deal with like oh sure sure yeah like a plot thread that they want to they want to investigate yeah and that's one of the things here is like they want to try to include all the players in it that way everyone feels invested like yes you care about the other players plot threads and now Mm. you hear about it too because you're all working together yeah but you also have the one that you're really itching to like dig into right 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 okay um so yeah we have the three nations we have the kingdoms we have a rough outline for the third one which may or may not be touched who knows it's just yeah it's like a magic city basically yeah essentially magic city the next one is discuss the major historical events that shaped your world into what it is. Each person at the table should contribute at least one important event. Okay, fuck it, whatever. Wait, yeah. actually, hang on. Uh, before we move on to that, do you want to try something really quick that yeah, I think sure. might be fun? Okay. Let's choose a character from a JRPG that we really like and imagine what kind of city we would build if that was the character we wanted to play. Okay. So do you have a character in mind that is just kind of like, here's my favorite JRPG character? Yes. So the my favorite JRPG character is Sophie from Tales of Grace. Ah, okay. That's an interesting one. Yeah, because her character can kind of fit in any world. Yes. But she comes from space. Right, 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 right. Okay. In a weird way. But if we were going to fit her into this world, yeah. she could be a creation from Dr. Robotnik that got away or went haywire. Oh, oh! so that would kind of be her origin. That could be her origin. And then she woke up in this clan city and has been like protecting it for eons. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I guess if it was Sophie, then it, it would kind of be like a similar origin to Tales of Graces then, where she is just kind of like found outside of like a random... Mm-hmm. like farming village or something oh yeah totally 
Yeah, yeah. okay. That's kind of cool. So that, that could kind of fit in. Um, is that what you were kind of looking for with that question? Yeah, and I was I- just kind of thinking, like, it would be fun to imagine, you know, because, like, a player doing this would be like, hmm, well, I want to play, like, a ninja guy. And yeah. he's from a ninja village, and it's called the village of- obscured by the smoke. <laughs> There's constant smoke and everyone has lung cancer. (laughs) It's it's China. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Smog everywhere. (laughs) That's the real villain of the story. Blinded by the smog. All right. But I mean, that's kind of the character I thought of when I thought of just the JRPG character I would want to work with. Yeah. What about you? Um... I guess in that vein, I mean, I because I was kind of thinking like, like, okay, what if I wanted to play like Sheena from Tales of Symphonia? Mm. Then it would be like, okay, well, she's like from a ninja village, and I guess she falls a lot. Yeah, it's kind of hard to not just because I guess because we're not using our own characters, we're using a video game character, so mm-hmm. it's hard to just not be like, yeah, she's from the village that she's from in the video game. <laughs> <laughs> so Sheena could either be from like a clan world, from like the Yumika. Yeah, nope. right, or right. He, she could, if we do do the mirror world thing, she could be from the mirror world. Oh, a that's a cool world. take. Yeah, that's a cool take. Like, because that is similar to how she appears in the Tales of Symphonia series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And her goal in this world is that she's out to assassinate Doctor Eggman, and maybe she joins up with you to okay. help work towards that goal. I really like how in Symphonia there are different summon spirits for the same elements based mm-hmm. on the world you're in. And it would be kind of cool If they to... were Chaos Emeralds, me too. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It would be kind of cool to, like, represent one world with, like, a certain pantheon of gods. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's, like, the Greek pantheon, okay. for instance. Or, I mean, like, play off of something like that. Okay. And then maybe the other world is maybe, like, the Hindi pantheon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's there's just, like, a very sort of, like, you meet someone from the other world, and then it's like, oh, wow, you're kind of perception of what the world is and like uh the sort of like spiritual embodiment of the world is like so different mm. that'd be like a cool thread to pull on yeah i like that but um, yeah let's d- design through the rest of this and see if that comes up at all yeah for sure so next part here is gonna be discuss the major historical events that shaped your world into what it is and then get everyone involved as always okay so they have a few options here if you want to roll on that table again or do you have one in mind that you want to pull from from our world? Well, the uh, I mean, we already said that the setting is going to be sort of like a post-apocalyptic, mm-hmm. low-technology kind of world. So that already kind of sounds like what we had in mind, but I am down to roll to see what we yeah. get and then see if it kind of meshes. And there can still always be more events and mysteries and other threats that exist in the world. Like, we've already yeah. come up with, one, it's post-apocalyptic. So that's like something happened that wiped the world. Maybe chaos right. came and destroyed the world once. And then we also have another threat, which is Dr. Robotnik trying to pierce the veil. Oh, right. This is like just conflicts in general. Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. So it could be anything. Too. Yeah. But um, did you have one in mind or did you just want to roll to see what it is? Let's roll for one because mine was already kind of just Metal City. Okay. Okay. So D20? Yeah, D20. All right. Here we go. Just add another threat to the table. Come on. Big money. Uh, that is 15 again. Oh, uh, fuck. Magic is slowly leaving the world, which... In a way, it sounds like it kind of is Yeah, okay, so maybe this is the Symphonia Two Worlds tie-in, where it's, <laughs> it's, it's like, kind of shifting between both worlds. Yeah, like, maybe more people are dying in one world. Maybe in your world, more people are dying yeah. and being pushed over the edge, so that leads to an influx <laughs> right. of magic on the other world, because there's more spirits and people on that side. Oh, maybe it's a sort of, um, like, Mako situation. Okay. Where it's, like, life force is kind of, like, the thing that binds these two worlds. Mm-hmm. 
And so when there's like a disruption, like, you know, like mass, mass death events or whatever. Yes. Then a lot of that gets transferred to the other world. Or oh, something. I like that. I like that. Yeah, there's there's stuff to pursue there. I think mm-hmm. that'd be interesting. So that's that one. Uh, just as a quick tip, if you hit big money and hit that D20, the prompt is the world is dying. Okay. In case you ever were looking for something to do. Yeah. I feel yeah. like that one's a bit vague, but okay. I just always it, assume the world is dying. It feels a lot more like the sort of uh, like man versus nature angle where mm-hmm. it's like when you sort of torture the earth without realizing what its like strength comes from, mm-hmm. then there's that sort of like we need to stop doing this stuff. Okay. Or the world is going to die kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel that. I feel that. Sorry, I'm trying to get out of my thoughts. I'm trying yeah, to think yeah, about yeah. the one that you got, which is magic is slowly leaving the world. Yeah. I think to add on to that angle, from a Tales of Zillia standpoint, okay. if we were saying the spirits are like the animals that Robotic is using for his robots, yep. those animals that are being used in this way are spiritually leaving the world and they're not returning to it to Ah. provide magic so that's how it's leaving robotnik is just draining it all out of the world okay it's not being replenished fast enough through the cycle of death that exists yeah oh okay so i really like this as a plot device because i'm kind of imagining it playing out like you think that the magic of the world is just slowly dying for some reason Mm mm-hmm but then you realize it's because it's kind of being siphoned into Metal City. Yes. But And then when you discover Metal City, you're like, oh, okay, here's kind of like the real plot point. Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of like unify the rest of the world by being like, you don't need to war over mana anymore mm-hmm. because we, like, here's the real villain. Like, you can break the story however many ways you want. So my thought is like, maybe at first it's like this magic kingdom with its nobles and sorcerers are coming in contact with these clans. And they're, like, vying for, like, mana sources because they're encroaching on their forest to steal the spirits because they need spirits to live their modern society. Right, right. Okay, but the clans are trying to protect the spirits and keep the evil calamity at bay. But there's a third villain, which is Dr. Robotnik and his metal city that's yes. been not. And he's secretly planning to pierce the veil and cut through to the other side and seek immortality with this tubular system. Right. Okay. And then lastly, once you discover his draining and destruction of the spirits and the loss of magic, you unite two kingdoms to face the third kingdom, which is just a vi- one villain, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And then last, the final arc will be probably an end, world-ending cataclysm, either dealing with Robotnik or a god of some sort that sees the world that you're trying to do as irredeemable, and now you gotta stop him somehow oh okay yeah 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 i think that sounds like a cool sort of way to introduce the players over time into the sort of like truth of the world yeah this is like a very like long process to get to the very end and honestly the but i mean it's a campaign right yeah yeah uh this is assuming like and most campaigns do fall apart pretty early on so just a heads up but um I think that having Dr. Robotnik as a villain that exists that can be introduced early and then mm. reappear multiple times throughout as like a long-term villain is oh, great. Yeah, yeah, Very yeah, similar yeah. to how he appears in the Sonic games. You'll come right. in with a robot. It's like, I'm here to steal an emerald. Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be cool to just kind of, it, like, I imagine it would be you kind of sending out particularly powerful henchmen or something. Mm-hmm. And then you running into that and then being like, oh, well, what's this? It's some kind of spirit-powered Automatic man. Yes, 
It's like, but the the creature inside, it's been so hurt, and it just like dusts itself. It gets oh, Thanos snap. You're like, no! Wow, that's yeah. yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, that's powerful. Because like for those who are magic wielders in the world, maybe you have a close companion. Oh yeah, and it's like, oh, your dog died, and then you go John Wick on them. <laughs> what the heck? I I actually I like this. I like the process of building this out together because I'm already imagining all these things where based on the kind of character I'm playing, Mm -hmm. I would have like a distinctly different narrative experience than someone who's playing a different kind of character. Mm -hmm. Like beyond even just kind of like, oh, I'm a spellcaster and he's a martial character. So we react to the like the spirits differently. But I mean, just like thinking about like, oh, because I come from this part of the world if I saw, like, you know, this sort of conflict or I saw, you know, mm-hmm. this faction attacking this faction, I might think this, like, one way or another. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways. And now you kind of know about the conflicts of the world. So you can be like, oh, my character comes from this region and their goal is this, but mm-hmm. they they may not see eye to eye at first, but they're looking to one day see eye to eye because there is another bigger evil that's looming right. over. And you already know that bigger evil is there, too. Yeah. Because someone yeah. has already established there's three, like multiple evils that exist oh right yeah okay so i guess if you were building this with your group then you would already kind of know the big reveal yeah that dr robotnik yeah that there is a guy yeah though i guess that's kind of cool yeah and it doesn't have to be like when you start the game the dm is supposed to take all this information in right and then go they're like okay so you want to go deal with like a doc robotnik character and that's what's going to be it's like okay we're putting that into this world that's getting added in right he's doing his thing but he's going to be over here while he's getting set up and then you guys still have to deal with the conflicts within your region because you guys will also create your own conflicts from the like within the yimika area within this other kingdom like there's going to be conflicts that have to move and there's a beat to it that's going forth i think yeah 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 and this just means that the conflicts of the world are just kind of framed differently for your party, but you still have to go and like deal with yes. warring factions mm-hmm. and you have to go and like win the trust of, of kingdoms, yeah. etc. It's just you have the knowledge that mm-hmm. like here's the real conflict. Yeah. And you might see Robotnik early, like because of how the villain points work in the game, he right. can just dip too. It's like, yeah, ah, he just I'm flies fly around away. on his big, yeah, escape pod, eggmobile. Eggmobile, is that what it's called? I probably, there's, there's so many like egg blank names for bosses that it's just like carts yeah okay next part uh what are the great enigmas and mysteries of the world the questions left unanswered and the truths that are now indistinguishable from legend Mm. so i think we've kind of talked a lot about how the world works yes and what we think would work and we can just kind of label as these are the enigmas and mysteries of the world so no one knows that it is tubular this is what we establish as a possibility for the right 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 yeah there could be a mirror world but we don't know and the earth is square from the perception of the characters right yeah okay. exactly so that's all pretty much established is there anything you wanted to add there is there a table for this uh it's the same table as earlier historical events mysteries and threats did you want to roll again yeah let's roll and see what happens okay. just just to kind of like see if it if yeah, it sure. brings up something interesting all right here we go another big 15 eight okay the destruction of the moon okay yeah. okay that's something that happened before Yes. So the moon has been destroyed. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. The only thing I can think of is when Yugi Moto goes, Great Guardian, destroy the moon! And he like cuts into the sky in the... Uh... Wait, he just like destroys the real moon? No, so he creates the silver moon for his wolf to boost his power level, but it raises the tide of the map. 
because back when Yu-Gi-Oh first started, no one fucking followed the rules. <laughs> That's of the game. crazy. So he destroyed his own card with his guardian, which caused all of the creatures to lose Ooh. out on the tide and and die on the beach. It's that's, a wild That's thing. cheating. Yeah, it's just straight cheating. That'd be like if you were in a Yu-Gi-Oh match and you just poured water all over the opponent's cards. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the immediate thought is like, there used to be a moon. Mm-hmm. And then ever since the mana from the world started to decline, we don't see the moon anymore. And then it's because the world has folded over oh. into a tube. Oh, maybe it's no longer able to draw sources from outside of its own planet. It now has to draw from its own. Maybe the moon was its, like, source of other energy. Maybe there's a lot of spirits on the moon. Oh, okay. Here's what it is. The whole world, there used to be, like, the the sort of ancient civilization of this world, they created, like, a giant kind of, like, satellite city. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like they they had generators that uh, or I don't know if it was like maybe they had to escape the original land and then like they made a space city. And then that when after they kind of like died for some reason that plummeted back down and then that's Metal City. Oh, shit. I could like that a lot. And then so I guess like the weird way that like because it was probably like a sort of like catastrophic plant annihilation level event because mm-hmm. it's like a meteor the size of a planet strikes your planet yes and it makes the world fold over oh. into a tube because that's what happens when the big ball hits you yeah and so I, I assume like you can probably we can probably make it something like because the sort of like life energy is what magic is mm-hmm. the way they kind of had that cycling in their city means that it's like two sides of the world now share the same like life cycle okay okay i like that i like that all right Oh man, I love where this is going. It makes sense for how Metal City works and how everything. Yeah, goes. like why it's there and why it's so magical. Yes. Yeah. All right, we got one mystery slash enigma in there, and the last one is what terrible threat casts a shadow over the world? Environmental disasters, furious deities, power-hungry empires, and perhaps even clouds of corrupting miasma that are enveloping and consuming the land. Oh, uh, okay. So this is more like what is an active threat that is sort of like always sort of on the radar. It's just one more threat you can add in. Again, oh. we've kind of been going through this process of world creation yeah. in this world and getting people involved. It's just like, if someone hasn't added a threat yet, this is the part where they add a threat. We've okay. done that tenfold. Into yeah, this. I think we've already been talking a lot about this, but um, yeah, it, it, I mean, just to sort of frame the world mm-hmm. uh, in like, when you're actually telling the story, I think it would be cool to just sort of have like a lot of natural disasters happening. Yes. Um, and that kind of being like a, a thing that causes issues that you need to help people with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the primordial spirits are out of balance. Yeah. Someone is destroying them and using them too heavily. There's not enough replenishing them. Right. Maybe they're retaliating or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's this ancient legend of like these things happening before, which led to a great cataclysm. And that's maybe the story told to your player's characters. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And it's all a lie because you're gaslighting. Right. Always. Right. Right. Yeah, and that's kind of the world that we built. So we have the three kingdoms, we have a primary villain, we have the threats affecting the world, and the players now all know this is what they're dealing with. They can, sh- they have a kingdom maybe that they want to come from. I don't know. Like for you, if you're building a character in this setting, yep. Where, what kingdom would you want to come from? Do you have any cultural ideas for them? What? Yeah. Um. Let me think about this. What kind of 
like origin story or yeah like i'm trying to think like what kind of origin story that i'm the most comfortable with mm-hmm. like do i prefer have like being from you know like having a family in universe mm-hmm. or maybe i think i would probably choose like the academy city okay or something that has a lot of hierarchy okay and then be like someone who was in training mm-hmm. or um you know like like a, a guard or like a knight okay um just so because i think i would really like to be able to play with the sort of like um not nationalism but like that na- like the the identity like the nation identity and how that contrasts with the rest of the world um and also kind of being able to be like you know i'm part of civilization and like the rest of this world is like a fucked up place and i'm like scared <laughs> of everything okay i like that yeah but you you like what is your call to the journey then in this quest i have a few ideas i could pitch yeah you, but yeah like what is your call to venture out into the world and do things or maybe someone comes to you i like being i i think i would like to play this sort of side character who's just there to like protect a princess okay or you know like protect some kind of royalty that he needs to go on the mission or like mm. protect like a chosen one mm. um yeah something like that something where it's kind of like i have this like uh unending loyalty and respect but like i i don't want to be there you know what i mean mm, like okay. i'm only here because it's my mission and yeah, i will follow you to wherever the ends yeah. of the tube yeah. but like i hate everything like i hate this i hate these places i hate nature it's gross i don't want to be walking through mud i yeah. need a shower okay. right like i hate how volatile everything is so i like that aspect if another player was gonna join you in that but if they weren't, and you had to create a, a goal for just oh yeah, like just why I'm there, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't like it. Feels a little too shallow to just be like, oh, he was sent on a mission, mm-hmm. you know, it like a be. military mission or something. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's a, a nice jumping off point. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, as like a suggestion for me, you said he's like a scholar from this area, and he's kind of like on the lower totem pole. What if he's right. one of the scholars that discovers? the idea that hey something's wrong with the world oh i like that like he's fine that the magic shortage isn't like it's not not like maybe the kingdom believes it's still fine right that's that's what they tell people that's yeah 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 but you're like no we're running out of magic oh that's a cool take Mm -hmm. because then it's like you know the the sort of weird tension that exists in actual academia Mm -hmm. where like people don't believe you or they like don't fund your research exactly. because they think it's not important yeah. or maybe they don't want your research to come out right either. exactly yeah yeah okay i like that yeah that'd be cool yeah just more options for you in case you wanted to have like a self-driven story because right right as cool as it is if like you're working with a group and someone else wants to play the princess and you're like hey can i tag on as your character yeah as your bodyguard? Yeah, yeah like i still want your character to have their own why and as well right. if given the possibility in case like someone doesn't want to do that you know yeah 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 i think i think ideally um i i would have like a i think it would be kind of fun for everybody's characters to just be like very deeply integrated mm-hmm. um but yeah no i think that's a cool take yeah okay um i don't get to play because i'm the game master so <laughs> <sucks to be laughs> me. but i mean like what what kind of character would you play would i play in this world i always like being integrated in a more obtuse way like i like the idea of being like one of dr eggman's like automatrons that got loose and somehow got a soul yeah 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 or yeah something along those lines or maybe the 
just like someone from the metal kingdom right just happens to drop in that's why i like sophie's character so much ah yeah okay so you'd be like an android that wakes up with no memories yeah no memories and just wants to protect people like their goal is to protect things around them and ah yeah that's actually really cool because i can see it fitting in really well with the sort of overarching lore Mm -hmm. And I can also see there being a really cool moment where you realize that you are being powered by, like, a captive sprite. Yeah. And then it's like, well, shit, like, I have to save the world. But I mean this power But thing. I'm, yeah, like... I'm doing an evil. Yeah. I'm literally running off of, like, borrowed life or, like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, my my existence is torture for some, some something else. Yeah, like, when I do abilities, it's like, oh... There are these spirits, and maybe there's something further along the line that the game master wants to plan to. That yeah, you can like fix that or something. Yeah, yeah, or there's like a new way of gaining energy. But at least in the beginning, he doesn't know that. But that is a plot line later because right. you know we've established now as a group that this is how these robots function. Right, and right. This is right. how he functions too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And I get to be a robot, so that's dope. Don't have yeah, to that's super interesting. So, in terms of what what kind of like Fabula Ultima. Or I guess just like JRPG archetype would your character be? Um, would he be just like a punching dude? <laughs> or would it kind of be more like mechanical, like weaponry? From Sophia's standpoint, it would be a punching dude. Oh, would you be like a humanoid android? Uh, it, like human looking? Or would you be like a robot? I I was thinking, uh, what's that robot from Overwatch? The one that turns into a turret? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, Bastion. Yeah, Bastion. Yeah, I'm thinking okay. Bastion a little bit. Yeah, right yeah, now. just like straight up mech man. Yeah, mech yeah, man. Okay. Like very robotic, like classic... Yeah, so maybe like sort of like a gunslinger kind mm-hmm. of. Oh yeah, yeah, guns. I think guns would be cool. Like when he uses his guns, he shoots out bullets. But maybe once he discovers it, he switches to melee for some reason. Like his energy. Oh source. right, yeah, maybe yeah. It's like sort of like a Yu Yu Hakusho spirit gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's like I only have five shots. Right. <laughs> no, who invented this? Kuwabara. Yeah, but um, yeah, that would be kind of the character dynamic that I'm thinking of. As far as like his duties and goals and other bonds, that'll probably come along. But that's just like the starting point for his origin and yeah. like culturally where he's integrated from this world. Right, right. Mm-hmm. I really like unironically. I think it's really great that we started with a world that was like, oh, it's going to be sort of overrun by nature. I guess me from the very start wasn't feeling that because me from the start was just gunning for putting Metal City in the world. <laughs> But it's actually created a kind of cool contrast where it's like, this is the established nature of the world, no Mm -hmm. pun intended. And then we're kind of just like running over it with robots, which is like also thematic in a way. Yes. Because that's like how the the conflict is. Yes. I mean, I like where it went. Yeah. And honestly, this is kind of what's going to happen at your table. You're going to have one idea and you're like, oh, I want to go this direction. But then- as people add ideas, you guys pivot, it shifts, and it's kind of like an amalgamation of, like, different ideas anyways. It's like yeah. a little bit of nature fantasy, but also a bit of techno fantasy. Yeah. And there's still high fantasy in there, too. So it's like all three are there. Yeah, yeah. And I imagine playing the game, it will play out a lot more sort of, like, each region will have an arc. Mm-hmm. And so it'll feel a lot more, uh, like, uh, what is it? Not isolated, but kind of, like, contained. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and then your group will decide on, like, what kind of heroes they want to be. Are they part of, like, a resistance? Are they, like, mm. just traveling chosens or something? Like Right, the- right. Yeah, that's that's in the rule book, right? Like, yeah. you have to decide on what your sort of mission is. Yeah, or, like, how they came together and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, a stuff, it's a good head start for you all to kind of get you guys together and thinking ahead. Yeah, yeah, just um, kind of 
it just forces you to design a party that knows each other and has a reason to be with each other. Exactly. Instead, yeah, instead of like forcing yourself to kind of like we crowbar your way in yeah. to like staying there even though you're a loner or something. Yeah, it's like oh, I'm an edgy rogue and right. I don't trust anybody, but I'm in a party of six yeah. other people and I have to follow you around for yeah. some reason. That's no explanation needed. Yeah, yeah. And that gets awkward. But yeah. Hey, that's the world we build. Is there anything else you wanted to add to it? No, um, I think we should close the podcast as fast as we can before Daniel gets back. Okay, hurry. Okay. He's going to be pretty mad. All right. Hey, everyone. Uh, that, thank you for all for listening. It's One Shot at a Time. We're a tabletop role-playing game podcast. I'm your forever game master, Daniel Locke. Uh, and I'm Daniel Lee. Oh, yeah. Don't forget, we'll be at Phoenix Fan Fusion on June 2nd through the 4th. Uh, we'll be doing two panels there. A panel on One Shot Design at 12 o'clock on Saturday and a panel on Dungeons and Dragons and improvisation and improv games that you can use to help your D&D games uh, move a bit forward and give you a bit more energy on Sunday at 1pm. If you guys want to reach out to us, you can reach out to us at oneshotatatimecast at gmail.com. You can send us any future prompts or JRPGs you guys want to work us to work on for Fabula Ultima. As always, we really appreciate you listening. Uh, please spread the word by mouth. That's the best way to help our podcast. And give us hey a guys, five star I'm, on... I'm uh, back, I'm back, I'm back. Uh, I was just getting some bond me. Oh. Are uh, you guys still recording? You like bond me, Daniel Radcliffe? <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's, I love Vietnamese food. Oh, okay. Is that something you want to incorporate into your world later? Oh, you're right. Speaking of that. Oh, I had totally forgotten that we were building that. Oh, no, yeah, no, no. What happened?